Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see so many of you out there. Please stand and sing with us. Two, three, four, and... Ship him now, how great, how awesome is he? 
Good morning, everyone. It's really good to see everybody here this morning, and welcome to worship service. We've got a few announcements, and I've got an extra one this morning, so hopefully I'll get this straight. Um, there will be a women's retreat September the 16th and 17th. If you need more information on that, contact Rebecca Sweet. Mesa will, Mesa will meet this afternoon at 4.30 p.m. in the fellowship hall. Then we'll also have our fellowship supper on Thursday, August the 26th in the fellowship hall at 6 p.m. And next Sunday, we will have the blessings of the backpacks for the kids going back to school. And my understanding, we're going to restart the backpack program this fall. And I think we're going to begin, in, begin first delivery September the 11th? 10th. 10th, September the 10th. So we're needing donations. There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer, so please sign up for that. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove that your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we gather this morning to praise you and to give thanks. It is in you that we live and move and have our being. Open our hearts and understanding as your word is proclaimed today. Remind us often that your joy is our strength. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so as to guide us in truth and love. Teach us to walk, think, and act as Jesus did. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. We are so excited to see so many faces here. We've had families coming back from vacation, and I just wanted to give a general reminder that if you um, require nursery services, we do have a nice, clean, lovely nursery that is fully staffed with people wearing masks who have been vaccinated, and they would love to see your kiddos. We also have a uh, children's program, a children's worship for uh, kinder through fifth grade, where we sing and we dance and we learn about the same scripture that is being learned about here. Um, if you'd like your kiddos to come to those, we will be going to them right after uh, the children's sermon, and everyone is welcome. 
Um, also, if you were looking forward to the third grade Bible presentations we were supposed to have today, we were actually postponing them until next week because I have five rising third graders and only two of them could be here today. So we said, let's all do them next week so we can have more kiddos. So we'll look forward to that on the 22nd when we bless our backpacks for going back to school. I hope I get to see all the kiddos come back for that. But for right now, I'd like to invite our kiddos up for the children's sermon. All right. I want to ask you guys a question. How do you feel or what do you do when you have a problem? Do you guys ever have problems? Like maybe you really want peanut butter and jelly for lunch and mom says, no, you need to have something else instead. That's a popular one in our house. We'll say, no, you had cereal for breakfast. Let's eat something else instead of peanut butter jelly for lunch. Mom, that's not a problem. It's not a problem? I will remind you of that today. What about um, you are somewhere and you're with friends and you both want to play with the same toy? Is that a problem? No? Why is it not a problem? Is it a problem? Well, I know you guys are all really smart, so you figure out ways to share and to work together, right? And we figure out how to solve that problem. But what about when you see, like, a really big problem? Not toys or what to eat for lunch, but, like, maybe there's uh, a shortage of food. Maybe people in your city don't have enough to eat. Or maybe there's a virus that's going around making everybody sick. Or maybe there was an earthquake or a big storm, and people are without power and clothes and places to live. What do we do when we have a problem like that? Is there anything you guys can do to help that? Help build a new house. You can help build new houses? There's always something we can do, and we're going to learn today about this guy named Nehemiah. Now, if you are like me and didn't know much about Nehemiah, I have to tell you that I don't think I really knew anything about Nehemiah at all until I started researching this week's scripture. Even though I can tell you I've read the book, it didn't stick in my head. But Nehemiah is this really cool guy in the Old Testament. He was a guy that had a lot of leadership skills. God gave him the ability to lead other people. He was really good at getting people to help out with stuff. And Nehemiah, when he would see a problem, he used that ability to help out with the problem that he saw. And he didn't do it by himself, though. He didn't do it all by himself. Could one person fix an earthquake, fix all of the damage that happens in an earthquake? Oh, my children. Let's sit up and sit still. No, one person cannot fix everything that happens with a storm or an earthquake, right? But what Nehemiah did is he looked around and he saw a problem and he took it to God. And he said, God, I see this problem here. You've put it on my heart. I trust that you've given me the ability to do something about it. Can you help me with that? And what do you think God did? He helped him. He gave Nehemiah the ability to fix a big, giant problem. And Nehemiah went around and pulled people that he knew could help too. And he said... You know, hey, Jonathan, I know you're really good at building stuff. Can you help out with this problem? These people need help. Awesome. And he said, hey, Mr. Bill, I've seen you use a drill. I know you're good at building stuff too. Can you help out? Right? And he went around to everybody he knew, and he said, we need help fixing something. Can you come help? And you know what the people did? They helped. They fixed a problem. One person turned into an army of people 
who fixed a problem that rebuilt a city and that brought people safety. That's a big problem to fix, isn't it? Did you know that you by yourselves, as little kids, can do the same thing that Nehemiah did? All you have to do is trust that God's got a plan for you, ask him for his help, and then talk to other people about it. When we hear about doing stuff like our backpack ministry where we pack backpacks and send them to school for kiddos who don't have enough food at home, right? There's something we can do about that. Somebody at our church said, there's a problem here in our community. There's kids that don't get to eat outside of school. They don't have enough food at home. What can we do to help that? And they talked to other people, and they prayed, and they, they asked God what they could do. And a ministry was formed from that, a ministry where we donate food and we send backpacks of food to school so kiddos have food to take home and to eat over the weekend. We all individually have the ability to do that, to change somebody else's life. And when we're talking about Bible heroes, like we have been this whole month, Nehemiah is a fantastic example to look through. Look to when you see a problem and you see something that needs to be fixed because he can show you what to do, what steps to take to make a difference in the world around you. All right? Will you guys bow your heads, fold your hands, close your eyes? Let's talk to God. Say, dear God, sometimes we see big problems and they seem too hard to handle. Help us to remember that you're bigger than any problem. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, my kiddos, we're going to exit for spark worship out the side door, and anybody who wants to join us is welcome to. Good morning. Good to see everybody. I heard, did I? I think I was hearing things, which I do often, but I try not to vocalize them, all right? I think the weather report said the high today was going to be 89, and this is the 15th of August. Praise the Lord. Wow, wow. I'll start our rainbows and rattlesnakes this morning again with the rainbow that it is to see each and every one of you. Gee whiz, it looks like church today. So that's a good thing. Praise the Lord. I have a rattlesnake, um, uh, and a lot of you probably already know, but uh, Val Long had a, I'll call it a heart incident, of Thursday night, and uh, so uh, she's in Texan Hospital, and uh, we want to lift her up. Uh, uh, looks like they'll probably do uh, a bypass on her in the next day or two. So uh, anyway, let's uh, pray for Val. Oh, Lord, we pray. Uh, other rainbows and or rattlesnakes. Yes, chill. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for everything that you bless us with. We know, Lord, that you are sovereign and everything is okay. We just don't understand all the details all the time. Lord, we lift up those who need healing in their bodies their minds, 
or their spirits. We know that you are the source of life and health and all things good. And we thank you for your healing presence. Lord, we lift up those anywhere in the world who are suffering from natural disasters. This morning particularly, we lift up the people of Haiti. Lord, we lift up the people of the world who are suffering from man-made disasters. We particularly lift up the people of Afghanistan today. And in that, Lord, we lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world that they would seek and do your will and understand that they're but a vapor, a snap of the finger. Let them understand that and that it's you and your kingdom that is eternal. Let them follow your will and let your children live in peace and harmony. Lord, we ask that you would open our ears and our understanding that as your word is proclaimed this morning, we would be encouraged to take your message of love and freedom and joy out into the world as your son always did. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. How many of you remember the first time you felt homesick? Does anybody remember that, or is it just me? You know, The first time I really felt homesick was just about 50 years ago. It was in 1971, in the summer. By now, by August, I was home. I'd spent the summer going to summer school in Valencia, Spain, and had a great time, and I love Spain and, and all that, still do, but I sure was glad when that 747 touched down at Kennedy International Airport, right? Even though it was in New York. I felt like I was home, you know? I was home. And all of us, I believe, have had similar experiences. Maybe it was just going off to summer camp someplace. There are a lot of folks here I know that, like me, were in the military, and you've spent time in a lot of different places, but you were still, I imagine, always glad to set foot back home, all right? Well, you know, that's really what it's all about. When we boil it down, when we get down to it, as y'all are tired of hearing me say, Jesus preached about the kingdom of God and the availability of the kingdom of God to everybody. And the reason that all of us feel restless sometimes and feel homesick of another sort maybe is because we're really not home yet. You're not, we're not home until we completely rest in God, in God's kingdom.
And we seem to forget that from time to time. And Jesus tried to remind us and is still trying to remind us. We're on another lesson on faith this morning. And some of you, you know, there's actually a handout today, right? You know, what a shocker. You know, and there's even, there's even a place there that you can take sermon notes at the bottom of your handout if you want to. But you, you can also doodle there or draw pictures or, you know, whatever, whatever else you want to do that'll keep you awake. I'd rather you do that than look over there and see and, you, you know, go like this, you know. And if you do that, you know who you are because you've got the wet spot on your lapel. All right? So, uh but anyway, we're continuing our series in faith this morning, and we've been talking about some people who are heroes and heroines of faith. I just thought it would be good to put down the characteristics of people of faith that we had talked about so far, as well as the, the four that I hope to touch on today. A little bit of history, a little bit of history. It's good to try and learn something occasionally, right? Our scripture reading this morning comes out of the eighth chapter of the book of Nehemiah. But you know, when the, when, the, when the Bible was written, there is no book of Nehemiah. Did y'all realize that? There really isn't. There was just a book of Ezra, as it is. And if you pick up a tonic, the Hebrew Bible that our, our Jewish brothers and sisters still use today, if we were in synagogue, of course, we wouldn't be in synagogue on Sunday morning. We'd be in synagogue on Friday night. But if we were at synagogue, when they went to the ark and they pulled out the scroll, the reading, their scripture would just have one book, and it would be the book of Ezra. Now, some, some translations of the Bible actually sow Ezra 1 and Ezra 2 instead of Ezra and Nehemiah. It's sort of like, remember in the New Testament, right, we've got first and second Luke, but we usually call second Luke Acts, right? The Acts of the Apostles, because that was written by Luke also. But some people actually do refer to that as Second Luke. Anyway, the, uh, one of the Bible translators translating the Bible into Latin, uh, a guy by the name of Jerome, which some of you that have in, in some of your Bible studies or Sunday school lessons may have heard about, is the person responsible for splitting Ezra in our Bible up into Ezra and Nehemiah. And that being said, we think Ezra was probably the actual author of the book. There's a little bit of dispute about that in certain areas. And it's interesting if you, when you, I should be, I should be positive, right? When you read Ezra and Nehemiah, which I encourage all of you to do, because we're only going to be able to touch on it this morning in the next three hours. Uh, when, you, when, you, when you go home and read Ezra and Nehemiah, notice that Ezra doesn't even show up in the book of Ezra until chapter 7. You know, kind of odd, but he does. Anyway, now last week we talked about Daniel, you know. Daniel, because of his faith in God, we're talking about faith, right? Because of Daniel's faith in God, King Darius, the Persian king, Darius, was so favorably impressed, remember, that he sent out a letter to all his kingdom and said that, you know, the smart money's on worshiping Daniel's God. 
all these other gods you ought to forget about because Daniel's God is the true God. Well, what happened was, as you know, I mean, Daniel wouldn't have been in Persia if the kingdom of Israel and Judah hadn't fallen. So Daniel was there as a prisoner, but because of his faith, he got the king, right? He got the king to tell everybody in his kingdom about Daniel's God. What we see in the lives of Ezra and Nehemiah and all of their contemporaries, I might add, is the result of that decree and the good favor that the people of Israel had in the Persian kingdom. So, what happened was, remember, the Babylonians took the first group of captives from Judah. Israel had already fallen. Remember, the ten northern tribes were Israel. The two southern tribes, Benjamin and Judah, were Judah. Okay? And it gets confusing. When you, when you read First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and by the way, Ezra takes over where Second Chronicles ends. It's a history book. It's another book of history. When you read First and Second Chronicles, for if, you, if you're not paying attention, you've got to be careful, because are you talking about a king of Judah or are you talking about a king of Israel? It, it tells you, but, you, but you, you still have to keep it straight. And remember... There were no good kings of Israel. They were all rotten to the core, right? Or as John the Baptist would say, you brood of vipers, right? They were all rotten to the core. Judah, on the other hand, had a handful of good kings. So God's law and the covenant was better remembered in Judah in general than it was in Israel. And when the Babylonians came in, Israel fell first. And then in 597, the first group of Judeans were taken into Babylon. Daniel was one of those guys with them, as well as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went in in that first group. And then in 586, Jerusalem completely fell. Judea was done for in 586, and the rest of the people that were taken into captivity were taken into captivity then. So, fast forward to roughly 520-something, and a group of folks are allowed to go back to Jerusalem. They're allowed to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Get this. You know what the first thing they rebuilt was? The first thing they rebuilt was the altar. Not the temple itself, but the altar. So that they could make sacrifices and praise God. That's the first thing they did. And then, in 516, the temple was rededicated. Okay? And this is, the, this is the temple that Jesus went to, right? This is the, te- the temple that Jesus walked around in. This is referred to as the second temple because, remember, the first temple was built by Solomon, right? Because David couldn't build it because why? David was a man of violence. He was a man of war. So he could, it wasn't right for him to build God's holy place, the temple. So Solomon got the honor of building a temple. 
Well, the temple fell in 586, right? So exactly 70 years later, in 516, the new temple was dedicated. And then a few years down the road from that, Nehemiah and, and some more folks come back to Jerusalem, and their job is to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, right? Because when a city falls, the last thing to go is the walls. If there are no walls, there ain't no city, okay? Just that way. So Nehemiah and a group of people came back to rebuild the walls. And you know what they did? This is amazing. Think about this. I know a lot of y'all have probably been to Jerusalem, okay? And you've seen what of the walls are there now. Or maybe you've been to some, maybe you've been to some other walled city, I don't know, possibly in England or Italy or someplace, someplace else in Europe. They rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. That's pretty incredible. In 52 days. And not only did they redo it in 52 days, there were people that didn't want the walls rebuilt who were fighting against them during that 52 days, but they still got the job done because they had faith in God and they knew they were supposed to do that. And you know what? They were homesick. They had been 70 years in captivity in Babylon, and they were glad to be home, and they were going to do whatever they could do to keep it that way because they realized the error of their ways. Today's reading does come from Nehemiah. I bet you all thought I'd never get there. From Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 5 through 12, consider the word of the Lord, and Ezra Open the book in sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbathai, Hodiah, Masaniah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabed, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while their people remained in their places. So they read from the book from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, 
and send portions to, the, to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they understood the words that were declared to them. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who desires for all of us to be home, to be free, to live into the fullness of the stature of your Son. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Now remember, it doesn't do any good if we study about this stuff if, if we don't put it into action. One of, those, one of those bullet points that you got there about what people of faith do and what we know and what Ezra and Nehemiah and many others and Daniel did was they put into action the things that they knew. And it's also important for us to remember that everything in the Old Testament and that we learn points to Jesus, right? Remember, I mean, Steve, Steve talked about the Emmaus walk that was canceled. Remember what Jesus said on the walk to Emmaus when he was talking to Cleopas and the unnamed disciple. He said what there in Luke chapter 24, 27, he said... And he told them, starting with Moses and going through the prophets, how all the scriptures pointed to him. So this is all about Jesus, and it always will be. And Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, which is the only reality there is. So the first thing we see here is good old Ezra. They built a platform for him. Check this out. He's standing up on this high wooden platform. He's not in the temple. Hmm. He's out in the world where everybody can see him. Okay? He's out in the world where everybody can see him. People of faith, open up and take the word out into the world. Jesus, Luke chapter 4, right? And in, in Jesus' first sermon that's recorded there in Scripture, what? He opens up the scroll to Isaiah, and he reads the scriptures. And he says, what? The captives are set free. Don't you think these people felt like they had been set free when they're back in Jerusalem after 70 years? Now, do you know how long Nehemiah read, I mean, excuse me, Ezra read from the scriptures? Six hours. So I've got about five hours and, 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 and 36 minutes to go, right? So, uh, no, it, it's, it, it, he, he, he did. The Scripture tells us he read for six, for six hours. And uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 is one of the few places in the Bible where it actually talks about Scripture and that. And it says that they read the Scriptures, the people read the Scriptures, Ezra read them to them, and that all these folks were there to help them understand what was said. 
because they hadn't heard it. They had been in captivity. They had been, they'd been listening to Babylonian and uh, Persian junk for uh, 70 years. And many of them had never heard the law of God proclaimed, you know, the Holy Scriptures proclaimed. They were crying, right? They were homesick. So they explained it to them. They, they were hungry for the Word. People of faith understand and are hungry for the Word just like you're hungry for food. Again, what did Jesus say in Luke chapter 4-4? Jesus in Luke chapter 4-4 was repeating Deuteronomy 8-3, right? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, we're really spiritual creatures. Our physical existence is temporary. Yeah, we've got to eat to live, but you've really got to eat to live the Word of God. And people of faith understand that. They understand that the hunger for the Word is just as vital as hunger for food. And then Nehemiah says what? He says, get out there, go. We're all called to do something. You'll notice something when you read Ezra and Nehemiah, and that's there are many places where there are long lists of names. I read one of them that was relatively short compared to a lot of them in there. You know what, you, you know what Ezra's telling us? You know what the Scripture's telling us? We all have a place in God's kingdom, and we all have a task to perform to make the kingdom known. We're all vital in relieving everybody from captivity, to letting them live into the freedom that you've been reading about in your homework for this month, right? Galatians 5, 13 through 26, you're called to freedom. You're not called to bondage. These folks had been called to freedom. They'd gotten out of Babylon. They're back in Jerusalem. They can worship again. And when you've got that freedom and you go out there and do something, because again, what? Faith without works is dead, right? And what's death? Death is separation from God. So if you just hear about it and don't do it, I'll let you worry about that. Okay? The people are supposed to go out there and do what? Did you see what they're, they're doing here? One of the specific tests they're giving to share with those who don't have anything, to those who nothing was prepared for them, right? People of faith are generous. They're generous to a fault because they know that everything comes from God anyway, and you can't outgive God. I challenge any of you. I challenge any of you to try it. You cannot outgive God. It won't happen. And finally, in this thing, I bet y'all are glad I said that right. Finally, in this particular passage, it says, it says what? It says, people of faith are joyful, right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's where this script, that scripture comes from. But again, remember Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2, the author and finisher of our faith, right? Who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, right, for the joy, you see. We can be joyful because God is in control. 
we know the outcome regardless of what any circumstances may look like, regardless of what we feel is going on, regardless of anything, we can be joyful. And joyful is not fleeting like happiness. You know, you get happiness when you get a new car, right? You get happiness when you get a new car or you get a new bicycle or whatever else. But you know that happiness dissipates, right? Just like the dandelion leaves blowing in the wind, right? They're gone. It's gone. But joy, joy is permanent. It lasts forever. Joy is total faith that God is in control and everything is all right. It's all right. And you know what? The world can't give you joy and the world can't take it away. So the clock on the wall says, I should have shut up a few minutes ago. But that's okay. I'll, you know, like, like I've done all my life, I will love. I will sin boldly and ask for forgiveness, right? So remember, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? And now go in peace and go joyfully, joyfully. Everything's okay, regardless of how it may appear. And as you do that, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. strong and true.